Welcome to In the Black with your host, Bob Dickerson. Our program takes a look at the socioeconomic issues affecting black America. From education to news and politics to business matters, we have the stories and guests that you need to hear about. Now, here is Bob Dickerson. Well, hello, everybody. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black coming to you on the Voice America Radio Network. We're going to have a really, really good show today. At least I think we're going to have a really, really good show today. And I hope that all of you agree. You can check us out on voiceamerica.com. Of course, you can listen to us when we're on the air, but you can listen on. That's the beauty of being on the Internet. You can actually listen anytime. So listen at your convenience at voiceamerica.com. You know, I've been talking about the AG Gaston Conference for the past oh, month as we have been planning the conference. And I must say that a conference was uh, last week here in Birmingham on the 11th and 12th. We had a great conference with great turnout, fantastic speakers, good networking opportunities, using A.G. Gaston's life and times, his accomplishments. I've talked to him even for you all who aren't from Birmingham or aren't from the South and who don't know that much about A.G. Gaston. He is somebody that you should learn about. He's a black history figure. And so if you have any interest in studying something about black history, studying something about American history, then A.G. Gaston is somebody that you want to you want to look at. You want to figure out who he is and what made him tick and why he ticked so well, because he did great. He was at one point worth somewhere around 130 to 150 million dollars. That's after being born as the grandson of people who had previously been enslaved. So it was a great conference. George Frazier did an excellent job. Uh, Maggie Anderson really turned it out. Eugene Mitchell, and I'm going to talk more about Eugene in the second half, but Eugene Mitchell, who we interviewed uh, last week on the show, uh, did a terrific job. And we're going to recap some of the things that Eugene talked about. And, And of course, we had some local Birmingham people who are experts in their own right experts in their own right, and they did a fantastic job. Shelly Bell uh, from D.C., she runs a venture called Black Girl Venture. It's a social venture. Uh, She really did a wonderful job in helping to make sure that African-American females especially have an opportunity to get money, uh, both debt and investment capital. And that's very important because African-American females are starting businesses uh, at a clip that outpaces anyone else. I'll say that again, African-American females are starting businesses at a clip that outpaces anyone else. And so we must help people in this country start businesses, create jobs, and hopefully create wealth. So we think it's very important that we do that. So the AG Gaston Conference was actually spectacular. We had a great time with it. Um, I want to do something a little bit different today, not basically what we're going to talk about, but just I want to start off a little bit different. You know, when I first talked about doing this show, we kicked around some concepts and we kicked around some ideas. One of the ideas was to call it business by the book. Well, actually, no, we're going to call it the book on business. And the book we were speaking of is, of course, the Bible. So the book, the Bible on business. That grew out of uh, something that I had developed 
through the years and that I wanted to do, and I still will do it, uh, uh, but it's Bible basics for business owners because I've done some research and the Bible is full of advice that you can help business owners with. Uh, so the Bible is full of things that if business owners adhere to, look at, study, learn about, it can help you in business. And, and one of those things, of course, is the parable of the talents that's found in Matthew 25, 14 through 29. And it speaks of a man who's traveling on a journey, who delivered his goods and entrusted his wealth. And that is representative of ideas and resources. He entrusted his wealth to three servants and he did that for a purpose. Now, we can gather several business principles from this text. Uh, first of all, it's important that entrepreneurs be good stewards of the ideas, of the resources, of the money that's entrusted to them. Now, keep in mind that Psalm 24 says that the earth is the Lord's, that is, all belongs to God. We are entrusted as stewards. We are entrusted as stewards. And so, so this, this man entrusted some ideas and resources to his three servants for a purpose. Now, in the parable, each servant was given a different amount, a different value, different talents. Now, the word of God says that each according to his ability. Remember that each according to his ability. Now, there are some lessons here as well. Uh, number one, we must always and all appreciate our level of growth, our capacity, our strength. We must all appreciate our level of growth, our capacity, our strength. While we're all equal in God's sight, we don't all get to be equal in business. There are large businesses, medium-sized businesses, small businesses, and even micro businesses. So whatever your business size, strength, or power, it's important not to get caught up measuring yourself to others. What you've got to be is the best that you can be and the best at what you are because everybody is not going to be the same and it's okay because we all are the same in God's eyes based on what he judges but we all don't get the same amount. We all don't get the same number of resources. We all don't get the same number of ideas. And we all don't get the same number of, as the scripture says, talents. We don't all get the same. But it's very important that you make yourself the best that you can be, the best of what you are, and the best of where you are, and here's why. In many cases, if you measure yourself according to others, all that does is it causes unhappiness, disappointment, and pain. Unhappiness, disappointment, and pain. So the scripture goes on to say that the two, that, that two of the recipients multiplied the resources that were entrusted to him. Now, multiplication suggests to me that the talents were reinvested. They were invested. They were reinvested. Uh, they were likely leveraged. 
Now, as a business owner, you need to understand both reinvestment and leverage. Those are two key business principles that you must understand and embrace. Uh, business, businesses need to be continually fed, uh, fueled by energy, fueled by effort, fueled by creativity, and fueled by ideas. And, and although leverage may imply that some risk was taken, yes, sometimes if you make an investment, things can go wrong. All investments don't work out right. So risk-taking, however, is implicit in entrepreneurship. As a matter of fact, when you look up the definition of an entrepreneur, it's a risk-taker. It's someone who took a business risk and expected a return. But you could, you've got to continually feed your business. You've got to continue to provide energy, effort, creativity, and additional ideas, and you've got to be willing to take some risk. And so that's what two of the recipients did. And the Bible says that after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled his accounts with him. And that the one who had received five talents came in and brought five additional talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents, and look, I've gained five more talents beside them. And, and the Lord, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and now I'm going to reward you. Since you were so faithful and since you fueled these talents with your energy, with your effort, with your creativity, with your ideas, since you were not afraid to take some risk, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, the one who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Now, put a, put a point here. He didn't say, well, I only got two and the other guy got five. He didn't say, well, I wish I had got three. Maybe you could have taken the six and, you know, or the, the, the seven and split them up and given him four and given me three. But he didn't say that. He said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. And look, I've gained two more. I've gained two more. And the Lord likewise said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, enjoy the joy of the Lord. But the third servant was fearful. And I've said to you on this program before that fear is the enemy of entrepreneurship. Fear is the enemy of entrepreneurship. Fear paralyzes, delays decision-making, blocks progress and blessings, and even after many years, fear maintains the status quo. So this parable of the talents is relevant as it speaks to the principles and ideals, ideals that business owners must embrace and employ. And moreover, it says that your personal success is not measured by your net worth, your revenue, your size, or your power, that we should all multiply our talents by using leverage and reinvestment strategies. And above all, Believe in yourself and be courageous. Now, there'll be time in your business when you are the only one. You're the only one who believes in your dream. Uh, you can't be afraid. You've got to believe in your business. You've got to believe in your idea. You've got to prayerfully and boldly move forward. And so 
the parable says that one of the servants hid his talents. He hid his talent. He got one, he hid it. He put it under a rock and he hid it. What he did do is he didn't lose it. He didn't squander it. He didn't spend it. But that wasn't good enough for his master because his master said, I gave you this and what I gave you, I wanted you to use. No, I didn't give you five. No, I didn't give you two. I did give you one and I expected you to use the one. And that's important. That's the lesson that I want us to hear today, that no matter what God gave you, he gave it for you to use. He may not have given you the same thing he gave me. He may not have given me the same thing he gave someone else. But whatever God gave you, he gave it for us to use. Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. That's the break, the verse to keep in mind as we move forward as entrepreneurs. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. We'll be back in just a few moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Hey, remember, uh, you can uh, you can get us on Twitter. It's at In the Black, and that is spelled N-T-H-B-L-K. I spell it a little differently. I do know how to spell, but I just decided to do it a little bit differently. You can also get me at, at B. Dickerson Jr. Both of those are on Twitter. I'm on Facebook at Bob Dickerson. And you can also check out my website, which is BobDickerson.com, BobDickerson.com. Com. I just wanted to share that little uh, Bible basic for business owners with you. It was something that was on my mind and, and on my heart and I wanted to do it. And I'm going to do more of that from time to time. We're going to try to make sure that we do something like that on each and every one of our programs because we talk about social issues and we talk about economic issues. Of course, we talk about economic issues from a black point of view uh, in most cases. And I know that that's not everybody's 
thing. That's not everybody's cup of tea. But I think when we talk about Bible basics for business owners, that's something that you can relate to, even if you don't necessarily uh, believe or agree with some of my stances, for example, about politics or, you know, some of the other things that may be happening. And we're going to do some of that. So, uh, so I, I promise you, I'm going to just always be honest with you. And I don't necessarily think that you have to always agree. As a matter of fact, sometimes when we disagree, uh, we stretch each other. We stretch ourselves. Uh, what we must do, though, is we must be willing to hear opposing viewpoints. Because when we don't listen and we close off, now sometimes we hear and we really don't listen. Sometimes we only hear with our ears and we don't let words that other people say, especially people who are different from us, uh, get inside of us. We don't internalize it. We don't process it. We don't think about it. You know, we sort of repel it. And so I'm, I'm hoping that we, we stop doing that. It's something that I have worked on uh, in my life to be able to hear people that I don't necessarily agree with to hear people that are saying things that I don't necessarily like, but I know it's important. So, so I want to keep that in mind. So I mentioned earlier, we had Eugene Mitchell during the AG Gasson conference and he did a spectacular, how can I say a spectacular job? Eugene is a teacher. And one of the things that he taught us in his session was that we need to do a better job of, strategizing on how to create wealth in our communities and in particular in the black community, but in all of our communities. Eugene gave us when he was on the radio last week, these seven key wealth building rules that are identified in his book, choosing the racial wealth gap. And you can get that book on Amazon uh, or at uh, Eugene Mitchell consulting.com, Eugene Mitchell consulting.com, get it on Amazon. But everyone, everyone can apply these rules and these concepts, uh, you know, to themselves and to their families, because the key is to leave as much here for the folks you leave behind as possible. And so I just want to run through them because I think that they were important enough that they bear repeating, not repeating. Now keep in mind, you can always go on voiceamerica.com and listen to any of the programs, any of the programs that we've done. And so uh, be sure to do that. So if you want to hear it from Eugene, then you got to go back to last week's program and, and hear what he says about these seven rules. Or you can just listen to me and, uh, and you may hear something that is just a little different, but I don't think drastically different. But the first thing was to know yourself and know your work. And I think that is important because we can't get into just measuring ourselves by our worth. I teach a lot of business classes where we talk about financial statements and on a personal financial statement, you have your assets. Those are the things you own. You have your liability. That's what you owe. And there's a difference. So usually in most cases, and hopefully in your case, you have more things that you own, more assets than you have liabilities. And so the difference, the financial number, when you take the total of your assets and you subtract your total liabilities, you end up with what we call net worth. That is your net worth. But most of us have to be cautioned 
to make sure that we don't confuse our net worth with our self-worth because your self-worth is much more valuable. It's much more important. And even if your net worth is negative, then you've got to make sure that you have a positive outlook and you know that you have a valuable, precious, priceless self-worth. And so that's important. Uh, rule two is to ensure yourself to ensure the future. Ensure yourself in order to ensure the future. Now, none of us are going to live forever and we're all going to leave. And most of us are going to leave somebody behind. And so when you think about how do you ensure their future, well, one way of doing it is to ensure yourself. There are several others. You know, you could save a bunch of money. You could make a bunch of money. You could leave a bunch of money. You could have wills and all of that's important. But anybody, practically anybody, can ensure themselves to ensure the future. The one thing that we have come to grips with during my life and my generation is this, we, we've developed an understanding that you can't earn your way to wealth. You cannot earn your way to wealth. And when you really think about wealth, and if you're trying to earn your way to wealth by having a job that might be making, you know, six figures, or, you know, it could even be, you know, moderate six figures. Your lifestyle is typically set up around your earnings. And so in order to get wealthy, you're not going to typically be able to do that because you're working and earning money. Uh, you've got to inherit some or, or hit the lottery or something else that may <laughs> just not happen. And so just embrace the concept that you cannot earn your way to wealth. Uh, I love this one. And if you recall the show, I kind of went back and forth with Eugene with this because I think this is very, very important. If you have a landlord and a Lexus, then you have a problem. Now, we do understand what that means. That means that, uh, that if you're renting and you have the finest car you can have, then maybe your priorities aren't right. You know, maybe you should think about owning some real estate and having, uh, you know, less of a car. And there's nothing wrong with Lexus or any other kind of car that you want to drive. But just make sure that you have your priorities right. It's, it's kind of hard when you see someone who has put all of their money in depreciable assets. And I think that's the lesson here. All of your money in depreciable assets. Well, well if you're renting and you have a landlord, you don't own any property, then you don't have anything that's appreciating. You know, your stocks and bonds and your investment portfolio, if you have one of those, one of those, then correct. But more than likely, you don't have that. So just get your priorities right and make sure that you're putting your money into assets that can increase in value, can appreciate in value. And for the most part, that's real estate. The easiest investment to make is in real estate in a home, because just about anybody who has a job can buy a home. Uh, there, there's some way to even people who don't have really good credit can still get a home financed. And so always think about that, 
that you want to put your money in appreciating, appreciating assets as opposed to things that are just dropping in value like cars. Um, this is something that A.G. Gaston said in a way, and Eugene says it different. Eugene says it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Um, A.G. Gaston says save a part of all you earn. And so that's the important thing, that whatever you make, you need to keep some of it for yourself. Uh, and not necessarily just to leave it behind, but, uh, but, but it, it should be yours. It should be something that you do on a routine and consistent basis. I've learned, I heard this and then I learned it to be true, that once you establish a habit of savings, then you're going to want to do it. Uh, so we started, even as kids, I remember my brother and his piggy bank, uh, he would save money in that bank. Actually, he didn't keep it in a bank. He kept it, you know, in a sock. But he would pull it out and count it every day just to see, you know, how much he had. And it gave him joy to be able to add to that total and to have more today than he had yesterday. And I think that's the truth for, for most of us. Rich people plan for three generations. Poor people plan for Saturday night. <laughs> Very little to be said about that. Rich people plan for three generations and poor people plan for Saturday night. So, you know, whether you're rich or not, you need to plan ahead and plan for generations. Plan for your children and grandchildren as opposed to planning for something that's going to be here and gone before you know it. And then the last one that, uh, that Eugene mentioned was that a rising tide lifts all boats. I think this is important because when you think about our families, if we can, if we can start doing things better, then it pulls up everybody around us. Uh, if we help create wealth for other people, even people outside of our family, then it creates more for, for all of us. And so as we try to create wealth for the broader community, uh, that's going to help create jobs. It's going to contribute to more positive and productive lifestyles. It's going to make everything and everyone better. So just keep that in mind. I wanted to share that with you. Hey, we're going to take a break. We will be back with more In the Black with Bob Dickerson after these very important messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hello, everybody. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Really happy to be here today. Uh, always happy when I get an opportunity to talk to you on this radio program. I'm really enjoying it. You can get us voiceamerica.com. I hope you'll listen. And uh, we'd love some feedback. You can give it to me through my website, which is bobdickerson.com. Uh, you can hit me on Twitter, talk to me on Twitter at in the black N T H B L K or at B Dickerson Jr. Or send me a message. Give me an instant message on Facebook. Uh, Bob Dickerson on Facebook. So let's do that. You know, I was in the in another radio studio this morning. I think I mentioned when we started doing this program and talked a little bit about myself. But I do small business finance. I run a small business development agency. I'm an ex-banker. I help people get loans. I help people start businesses. Sometimes we talk people out of starting businesses, and that's very important as well. But, uh, but one of the other things that, that I do is I do a gospel radio program. It is called the Myriad Gospel Music Countdown. And we're heard on, I don't know, the number keeps moving. Let's just take, say we're heard on about 75, 80 radio stations across the country. We syndicated ourselves and we're on the Rejoice Radio Network if you're looking for us uh, and listen to us. Uh, we've been doing that. As a matter of fact, we, we just celebrated our 24th, 24th anniversary. We started on Valentine's Day, 1996. So 24 years, we never missed a week. We've always done it. Uh, my partner, Ron Marshall, and Doug Ford and Bridget Cannon Scott really enjoy doing it. We think it's our, we think it's our ministry. And I started doing in the black on the radio. So that was where I actually started doing this in the black. I also do something called an inspirational moment. So I was in the studio this morning and, uh, and, and I wrote, uh, what is part of an in the black segment. And I just want to talk to you about that one. Now, and I said on that segment that what is happening in America is sad. I actually entitled it, I'm sad because, I'm sad because what's happening in America is sad. It's disturbing, but unfortunately it's predictable. This, this system for the past 50 years has produced this growing disgruntlement among a lot of people, people that you think the system ought to be serving and people who 
you wouldn't expect to be disgruntled, people who you wouldn't expect to be losing opportunity, losing ground, they're also disgruntled. They're also disgruntled. We've got credit card debt, student loan debt. You know, we're not buying and building houses like we should. We have a unfortunate debate that goes on uh, in our political halls. Uh, Americans are the most productive we've ever been, but our standard of, of standard of living has not improved in the last 50 years. So this 50 years of growing disgruntlement, foreclosure of opportunities, attacks on the middle class, and those attacks are promulgated by the same politicians that were elected to serve us, but who by and large are self-serving. You know that 80% that of the members of Congress are millionaires. 80% of the members of Congress are millionaires. And so who do they relate to? Who do they serve? Who are their masters? Well, based on some of the decisions I've seen them make, they're not serving average everyday citizens. I mean, they're serving big corporate interests, the ones that can give them money. Who are they serving? And so when we look honestly at the decisions made over the past few decades, the winners are the already rich and powerful, and the rest of us are losers. The winners are the folks who are already rich and already powerful. The rest of us are losers. So what do we do? You know, how do we create the paradigm shift? Uh, how do we change it? Well, it will take some radical action if we can do that. But if we are to do anything that changes the plight for every man, if we are able to do something that makes John Q. Public and Jane Doe really important, then we have to have a coalition. I mean, nothing works unless we have a coalition. And I think that we have to have a coalition of working class Americans, no matter their racial identity. We can't get caught up on what each other looks like because we have too much in common. And the people who are not serving us, it doesn't matter what they look like either. It doesn't really matter what they look like. It doesn't matter if you look like them or I look like them. If they're serving you, fine, but I dare say they're not. I think one of the other things that we need is we need term limits for all, underscore all, A-double-L, elected officials. We have term limits for the president. We know he gets two terms, eight years, and I think that's good. But we need term limits for people in the Congress. We need term limits for people who are governors. We need term limits for everybody. And here's why. We have created an elected official occupation. So what is your occupation? I'm a senator. What is your occupation? I'm a member of the House. What's your occupation? I'm a mayor. And I don't think that this system was set up to make being elected to and but to being elected to something your occupation. 
As a matter of fact, the way this country was set up, the people that came to Philadelphia and then Washington to govern, to rule, to set laws, they left their jobs and their homes and their farms. Uh, and they came and they gave public service. The folks we have aren't giving public service. As a matter of fact, they're being served by the public. So we need those term limits and we need them from, from, like I said, from the president all the way down through Congress to local mayors and city councils. I'm not going to make a lot of friends by saying that, but we need term limits. We do not need career politicians because career politicians cannot serve the people who voted for them. Career politicians serve the folks that prop them up and give them the money and keep them in office. And if their interests aren't the same as our interests, guess whose interests are going to get served? And get this, if we, the average great people of America who work for a living, you know, who may not be quote unquote wealthy, who may not be power brokers, if we're, if we're not at the table, then we're on the menu. And if we're not the protagonist of change, then we're going to be the victims. So I'm sad because I see what's happening. I'm concerned because I don't see us, enough of us getting together and building the kind of coalition that, that, that doesn't focus on our differences, but focus on our commonalities and what we need. I'm concerned because we don't seem to be able to do that. And I'm disappointed because I know that if we don't, that every year we don't, every decade we don't, every quarter century we don't, then we're getting further and further and further behind. So unfortunately, this propaganda machine is, is winning. Uh, the propaganda machine is telling you that I'm the problem. I'm a black guy. Or it's telling you that brown folks are the problem. Or that Asians are the Muslims, Hispanics, Latinos, gays, queers. We, we've, the propaganda machine is telling us to look at each other as opposed to look at who the real culprits are. It's telling us to be suspicious of each other and to fight each other instead of banding together and thinking about what we have in common and what we all need to receive. So I just want you to keep that in mind. You know, one of America's stories, the one in the history books, says that America was a response to tyranny. It says that we came and a lot of folks settle this continent. But the other shows that there was an invasion, that there was genocide, and probably a, a genocide that the world had never known. We've got to be truthful and honest about where we came from. And I think if we approach all of our problems from a position of being truthful and being honest, then I think we can actually make a difference. You know, it's, it's easy to write the words, 
all men are created equal, liberty and justice for all. Send us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Crown thy good in brotherhood. But putting those words into action consistently and without reservation, well, that's another story. So what I'm saying to you is that America, we need to put the words that we've written in all of our documents into action. And we need to put it into action regardless of whether we're white, brown, how we serve God and whatever we do, because that is what America is supposed to be about. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. At gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson, Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Welcome back to In the Black. This is Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network. Uh, really enjoying the show. I got some things said in that last segment, and I, I want to just continue in that vein because I, I really believe this at. Uh, I I was laughing with some friends about Columbus Day, and of course, I want to call it Indigenous Peoples Day because there were people here uh, when Columbus got here. He did not discover anything. He ended up here, and and then a lot of folks followed him, and we called them sellers, but uh, I think they could easily have been considered invaders. Uh, I also think that the natives of this hemisphere ought to have free free reign. you know, you can't really trespass on private property or anything other than private property. So the streets, the highways, the water work, waterways, they're public. And here's something else. Just because you occupy some land that was taken through conquest doesn't make you a just and rightful owner. It doesn't give you the moral deed. And so, you know, I just think that we have to be aware of that. Now, we're our PR, PR in America for, you know, a couple of hundred years 
says that we are just, fair, and welcoming. That's what the Statue of Liberty is out there. We've described this nation as a melting pot where all men are created equal. Now, we said that in the Constitution when my, my forefathers were enslaved, they were somebody's property, and somebody actually wrote, all men are created equal. They didn't say all white men are created equal or all men that weren't Africans who were enslaved were created equal. They said all men are created equal. I think they kind of meant that. I think it's true, but, <laughs> but we always know, but we do know what was happening. Again, the, even as the poem that uh, New Colossus, the one at the base of the Statue of Liberty. Send me your tired, your weak, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Send those to me to tempt us tossed. Well, you know, while that was being written, you know, we were still uh, enslaved, um, still chattel, still being sold. And even after we were, quote unquote, emancipated, we were considered three-fifths of an individual. Uh, even after, even as that New Colossus was written, genocide and against natives and trafficking and enslaving Africans was still taking place. So that's what was happening. And and get this, in the last now just over a hundred years, we fought two world wars in order to prevent fascism, ethnic cleansing cleansing and the notion that there's a master race. That's what we, we fought two world wars to prevent fascism, ethnic cleansing, and the notion that there is a master race. That's why we went and fought Hitler. That's why we fought Mussolini. Uh, that's why we fought World War I, uh, because we believed that there was a better way. And even though we didn't practice everything that we preached, we used this PR and we said to the world that this is America where anybody and everybody has a fair shake, where everybody can get a fair deal, where everybody can get ahead, where we're not going to discriminate. And even though we were fighting those wars, when my father went to World War II, in the Navy and my uncle in the Army and my other uncle in the Army, when they came back, they still had to sit at the back of the bus. They still were asked to drink out the colored water fountain. They still were not given their rights. And now we seem to be coming, be becoming more tolerant to supremacists, white supremacists. We seem to be becoming more tolerant to neo-Nazis, and I do believe in freedom of speech. Uh, but while we're tolerating uh, neo-Nazis and folks that we fought against, the Nazis, and white supremacists, people that most folks would say, oh, I don't agree with, we're closing our borders to the black and ground immigrants. While we are a country that says that we have freedom and, and, and the Number one freedom is freedom of speech. Um, we've heard folks say that if you don't support what I think, then y'all to just leave. 
You ought to just leave. Just, just go back rather than criticize. And so it makes you wonder if that truth is coming out. Um, I'm going to have a show and I'm going to talk about truth. Uh, it's not going to be this one, but I, I've got a show that I want to talk about truth because and I'll give you just a, just a hint and then I'll bring it back. But, but we've done something with the truth these days. So in my mind, truth is black and white. There's a bright line between truth and lies. If you take a test, it's either true or it's false. But we've tried to soften the truth, and we call it your truth and his truth and their truth. But guess what? There's only one truth. And so what is true about this country is just what I said, that when we touted liberty and justice for all, we said that natives were savages and blacks were less than human. When we fought a war against tyranny from Great Britain, we were kidnapping Africans from the Ivory Coast and we were pushing natives as far west as we could and, and committing genocide against them. Even as we went and we fought in World War I and in World War II, and realistically in Korea and Vietnam, Africans, African-Americans in this country were having a struggle for the right to vote, the right to equal access, the right to a good education. And so don't get fooled and don't buy the convenient truth because convenient truth sounds like a lie. If it's true, it's true. If it's false, it's false. There really isn't any in between. So keep that in mind. You know, I really like doing this show. I don't expect all of you to agree with me. In fact, I know that uh, a good number of you will not. I love to hear from you. Again, I'm willing to hear all opinions, all sides of the story. Was it what that was that thing? There, are, there's a truth, and there, there's your way, my way, and somewhere in the middle there's a truth. So we can always try to find truth and honesty here on in the black. You can get us again. Uh, Check out our website, bobdickerson.com. Get me on Twitter at in the black, N-T-H-B-L-K, at B. Dickerson Jr. That's another Twitter handle that I have. And of course, on Facebook, at Bob Dickerson. We really enjoyed, we're really enjoying bringing the show to you. We hope you're enjoying it as well. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. Thank you for tuning in. Please join host Bob Dickerson for another edition of In the Black next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. Thank you.